You're listening to World Oil Deep Dive, conversations with energy industry leaders and engineers about the market trends and technologies shaping the oil and gas industry. Now, here's this week's episode. Welcome, everybody. This is a, a very special podcast episode because it's the first ever crossover episode. So I'm Jim Watkins uh, from World Oil Deep Dive, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Josh Lowry. Josh. Hi, Jim. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. Tell people about your what you do and your podcast and yeah. all that stuff. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm normally the guy that does the intro, so I'm over here. I don't know what to do with my hands, so I just I shook your hand. I, I got nervous. <laughs> um, thanks for having me on your podcast. You are, you're one of the OGs of these oil and gas podcasts. You've been doing these for quite some time, haven't you? Yeah, man. When I think back on it, I, it was like, I mean, this is like our sixth year now, yeah. so... Been a while, man. Been yeah. a while for sure. And and even though you guys haven't been doing it as long, you're knocking it out of the park, man. We're sitting here <laughs> in this beautiful area, looking at a, at a mobile recording right. studio across the way. We're very good at together. wasting money. <laughs> I know how to I know how to spend money, like it's like I like I have it. So I'm, <laughs> I'm very good at that. Uh, but no, you know, look, we got started. I'm with Upright Digital. Right. Uh, founded at Upright Digital in 20. 17, and then in 2019, we decided that we were going to move more into the media side of things, uh, and we opened up our first podcast studio, which World Oil at that time, and you and Andy came and visited, and honestly, uh, because of the support and the backing of your brand and you two, um, it gave us a lot of credibility. Nice. Um, you know, we knew people. We know lots of people. I mean, we're in the oil states booth right now, and you know, we have a lot of those contacts because of some of my other businesses that we have in the steel business and whatnot. But it was really great to have a media group like Gulf and World Oil come and say, "Hey, you know, we believe in you guys." And I, I joke about spending money, but the reality is, is that's what happened. Is we said, "Look, if if, if they believe in us, then why why can't we believe in ourselves?" Yeah, yeah exactly. Let's and that's what happened. And and so we just said, "Look, we're going to build this one studio and." Then we decided uh, if one's good, then three is better, and, if, <laughs> and so we built three. And then it said we had a, we had the stationary studios back in Houston, and we said if we have the three, let's build a mobile. And we built the mobile studio, which we're looking at now. Um, and so we, yeah, we have the we we believe we have the best studios in oil and gas in Houston. Um, certainly, you know, we've built them for the industry. Right. Um, we've never really tried. To, and it was really about a year or two into it before we decided if we were going to even try to make money on them. Uh, because we didn't. that's not what we wanted We wanted to do. We wanted them to be for the industry. How right. do we tell stories for the industry? So it was, our, I believe our motives were very pure. Yeah. Like, because honestly, how many of our friends are the best people you know doing Absolutely. everything for the, inter, you know, the ESG term matters. It, it does matter. I'm a believer that it matters. And I believe that you know, there's been a lot of good that's come from it. Um, but we were already doing those things. We just weren't telling these stories properly. And you have a bunch of guys and girls that are tremendous leaders in the industry that are just not telling their story because they're busy working. Yeah. And we were like, well, let's help them tell the story. Let's pull them away for 30 minutes, an hour, and, um, and get our friends on the, industry, on the podcast and start telling. And podcast media was growing at that time. So um, you know, our first one was Oilfield 360 right. that we co-host with David DeRode, and now he's doing that between myself or a Jim Wickland of, of the Worlds. And then um, the Energy and Transition podcast is one that I do with uh, da uh, Dan Pickering. Right. And Dan is a, a <laughs> genius, really. Right. Dan Pickering is uh, very smart, and you have to hang on and be prepared every time you're in the room with him because he's just the smartest guy in the room, no matter who he's interviewing. So we have those. Then we have a supply chain 
podcast that we have and we've got you know sales and marketing and you know there's just lots we kind of just expanded our brand out and then in 2020 um kind of pre-covid um john daniel and i had been building out a business model for his exit from his former company so john came to work for um uh, Galtway Industries, which is our steel business, and we started Daniel Energy Partners together. Nice. And so started DEP in 2020, and then we had an idea to expand the barbecue and what is now known as Thrive, which is right. our big... Um, Fantastic show, too. Thank you very much. And so we've built Thrive, and this barbecue that we're at now in, in West Texas have become just... I mean, honestly, they've blown past any of my expectations <laughs> and i didn't uh i really never thought they'd become this and you, this is just a matter of like identifying good people letting them tell you when, when i'm told to leave a room i i leave the room and i've got multiple employees that don't like it when i show up to meetings because i just apparently annoy them and you know <laughs> I, I, I derail <laughs> apparently i derail meetings i don't know so uh but I, i'm okay with that Right, because they know what they're doing. So, well, this wh- is this is fantastic because I mean, you know, Thrive and and this barbecue cook-off, mm-hmm. they really are like high points for the upstream, yes. right? E- everybody, everybody wants to be there. Everybody wants to do it. But my question to you, Josh, is: you got your hands in so many pies, man. How do you uh, how do you do that, man? I mean, I don't have my hands in half of those pies, and uh, I'm exhausted all the time. You know, number one, I need I need hobbies. <laughs> but, but like work, I love work. Right. I, I'm, I love it. I, I, I get up very early in the morning. I'm a 4.30 guy. And I'm not saying that to shame anybody who's not, but I'm a 4.30 guy. And I have been for a decade plus, And I get up pretty early and I work. And I've got a wife that's amazing. She takes care of the family and, you know, nice. I, and I support that. Um, but ultimately, you know, I, I come from an entrepreneurial family. Um, my brother, who just sold his business to uh, Plug Power last year, um, great exit for him and his partners. But go back seven years ago when they were just this massive pressure was on top of them. And I said to him, I said, man, how do you do this? Right. And, and, I, and I looked at it and I thought, how, and I asked him, I said, how do you do all of this? And he said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like a, uh, a fish that lives 10,000 feet below the sea. He said, at this point, I'm just pressurized. <laughs> and, you just know, used to it. It's yeah, normal. It's normal. You know, and I, and I said, uh, that's, that's interesting. And actually, I'm, I'm looking at Lloyd right now. We're in his booth. But I, and, and it really reminded me of another story. You say, how do I do this? I hadn't even thought of this until I just looked at you. Um, you know, going back 15 years ago, I decided to not go to business school because I was involved in a group where I was around a bunch of senior-level people, and I, I just had direct access to these guys and girls. And I was like, you know, I'm never going to get this access at 30 years old. Right like I have right now, and they would let me ask any question I wanted to ask. And uh, I would just ask them, hey, how do you do this? How do you manage this situation? What does it look like here? And um, Chris Craig, the former COO of Oil States, right? We're in their booth. I'll give him a shout out. And I asked him, I said, how do you manage this many people? And he said, I, I don't. That's not how it works. And he said, he, and he kind of explained to me how he broke down the management style of I manage this people, this people manage this. And he kind of just was in great detail to a 30-year-old guy. Wow. And, he, and he, he gave me way more attention than I deserved, way more time than really, again, than I deserved. And I thought, I can wrap my head around that. And, I, and I've honestly, all of my businesses are run exactly 
like nice, that advice. Nice. So I have I have multiple companies, but each company has a president. So the, each president reports to me, and then from there the president breaks down. So I don't really have. That's why everybody asks me questions. I don't know the details of them because <laughs> I I have really nine people that report to me. Not you know in 2021 we had 1,800 employees. Between eighteen hundred. Eighteen hundred. Wow. Yeah, nobody, that's insane. nobody has any idea about that. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I don't. You know, I never yeah. see that many all together one time. Well, no, we don't. That's for sure. I don't talk about it. But that, <laughs> that's our that's our total headcount. So that's great. That means here at the barbecue, you got nothing to do, man. We can just oh, sit no. and talk all yeah, day. I mean, I, I wish that was, <laughs> people still yell at me. So I wish that was true. But yeah, yeah, yeah so anyway, yeah. that's what we're doing, man. All right. Well, let let's get this. Uh, to, we're gonna go get some people together, yep. talk to people who are here at the barbecue, find out about their businesses about what's going on in the industry and what they think of this fantastic barbecue. So, um, yeah, we'll be talking later. Love it. Thank you. Interested in all things oil and gas? We've got a podcast for you, The Energy Pipeline. Join us each week as we cover the latest trends, transformations, and success stories alongside various key figures from the world's leading energy companies and beyond. Listen to The Energy Pipeline wherever you stream your podcasts or visit cat.com slash energy pipeline. All right, everybody. We're here with uh, Lloyd Hajik uh, from Oil States. Lloyd, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jim. Great to have you. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, it's exciting. Now, this is uh, day two we're on, right? Second day of the show. Yeah, look, you forgot to introduce me. I'm on this podcast today, <laughs> well, too. Well, no, you were already introduced, man. We don't have to introduce you. <laughs> yeah, Jim, I, I am Josh Lowry. I'm joining you. I've snuck, I saw you were doing a podcast at the uh, Dan Energy Partners Barbecue, and I'm like, well, I want to be on this one. <laughs> this looks fun. How are you? Exactly. Good, man. I just I, I came in hot, man. I just came in from Houston. We had an event there last night, finished that. Caught the flight out this morning and came straight from the airport here. My bag's right over there in the corner. So, yeah, and congratulations, Lloyd, to start with on that because that event last night was uh, a reception for the finalists for Thank the you. Gulf Energy Information Excellence Awards. And uh, you guys were finalists in two categories. Right, So right. impressive, really. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. What two categories? Which two categories were they? We're in the best, yeah, best uh, Production Technology Award for our Active Seat Gate Valve or New Technology Technology and the energy project of the year upstream with our Merlin Deep Sea Mineral Riser, Mineral Gathering System. Oh, yeah. I love that thing. I, yeah. I always tell people about it. You know, when people are saying, oh, yeah, what else is there? And I'm like, this big subsea vacuum, man. The vacuum's up bowling balls of minerals. Well, it's we have incredible. a great animation on our website, so I encourage you to go take a look at that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's been a busy year for you guys yeah, it has then, been a busy right? Year. Right. So, so what's been going on? What's the? Well, I actually want to step back just a little bit too. So with the the awards that we received this year, which were two uh, from the OTC Spotlight on New Technology That's Awards. Right. We oh, actually nice, won, yeah. won two last year. So in the last two OTCs, 22 and 23, we've won four Spotlight on New Technology That's Awards right. for our size company. That's awesome. So yeah. our, our managed pressure drilling system and high pressure, high temperature riser system last year, and then the two for their active seat gate valve and the Merlin Deep Sea Mineral Gathering System this year. Yeah. So yeah. it has been busy, for, busy from an R&D perspective and certainly from an operations perspective as well. Yeah. You know, that's one of the unique things about oil states because that's you guys were honored at the uh, the Energy and Transition Pavilion at OTC as well. Yes. It's right. a unique company. You guys can hit up both traditional oil and gas, but with a big eye on energy transition and the technologies that go with that. Right, right. Because outside of that, to your point on the transition side, we are spending a lot of time in the deep sea mineral mining or mineral gathering uh, process as well as some new technology for offshore wind. Yeah. So, and so by the way, did you see what a – this is his first podcast. Nuh-uh. 
Is that right? First one, yeah. And wow. He, he naturally kind of threw in, go check out our website. Yeah, did you see that? That yeah. was That was, that was unprompted. That was yes. very your So my VP natural. of IR and marketing will be happy with me. <laughs> exactly. That was, that was excellent. Normally, yeah. that, at the end, we're like, is there anything you'd like to promote? Which did he, that was just smooth. So go check it out. Is it oilstates.com? The oilstates, uh, intl.com. Okay, there we go. Well done. <laughs> So award-winning technology, yes. uh, two years running, two years lots running, of things a lot going. of things going on. Yeah. In, in, in addition, to just to basic boxing and tackling with our three segments that we operate in today. So good year so far. Uh, U.S. Land's been performing well. You know, slowing down a little bit here the second half of the year, along with the many other people here at the barbecue. And just to timestamp this, we are in uh, late Oct- late September right now. So if you're when people click into this, yeah, it could yeah, be perfect. Years from now, yep. but, uh, no, actually, yeah, late late September. Uh, but really, we're excited about international and offshore for us. Yeah, are you guys making a big push into the renewables thing? That's we are. Awesome, well, man. I mean, that's really, but our you know kind of bread and butter. About fifty percent of our business, but fifty percent of our revenues come from outside the U.S. So we're not ba- wow. you know just a you know a pure play U.S. land service and equipment provider. So we do have a lot of content we provide outside the U.S. Deep water basins. You think about the production infrastructure we produce as well as the you know land applications that's much more than i would have thought 50 percent outside of the u.s yeah so it's interesting you know and we do this and it's a little bit of criticism of saying seeing the forest for the trees if you look at our you know, our revenues about 75 percent says we're united states well that's where the revenues are booked mm-hmm. okay but where the where the products and the and the equipment are going are outside the U.S. So international and deep water offshore markets. And in the in the uh, international world, is there is there one region that's that's performing better than others? Or? It's kind of across the board. But really? you think about Middle East, both yeah. onshore and offshore. That's very active for us. Uh, Latin America with the with the Exxon Mobil has and the Guyana fields, and uh, Petrobras offshore Brazil. So you know, I hate to make you kind of do any outlook here but i mean what is the second half again fourth quarter q4 how does this look for you guys coming into 20 late 2023 i think we kind of talked about on our our second quarter call third quarter kind of fairly flat with second quarter we're expecting a better fourth quarter because we've got booked several projects in our offshore manufactured products segment kind of later last year we've had great book to build the last two or three years so there's been you know a fair amount of pull through of revenues coming in fourth quarter in, in offshore manufactured products you know we the things that we hear in, if you want to call this a slowdown, they're, they're really great words. They're words like softer, slower, not shut down, <laughs> right. flat, yeah. flat. Not you know, into the world. How right. often have we dealt with the word flat in the last seven years? Right. Like, we'll take flat for right. a minute. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like it's a flat with a, a cliff coming. It's flat with, okay, it's flat, and then we're going to be coming back up. So I kind of I went to the same conferences you go to. We all kind of attend. And you hear these, and you're like, all right, that's time to regroup and Organize, clean up, and then maybe 2024 looks different. But it doesn't look bad, and I, I'm I'm glad to hear these these adjectives being used. Well, it doesn't, and, and again, I th- you, do we get a lot of questions about what does what does U.S. land look like for 2024, yeah. or what does international and offshore look like for 2024? And uh, I say some of the flat part come in, but expectations are you know rig counts going to increase. Yep. You know, we have pundits in 50 to 70 rigs in the U.S. and frac spread count going up maybe 15, 20 percent too. So that's good. That's good numbers. Okay. Uh, now, if you're talking to the operators, they feel like it's flat with some service cost defl- you know, deflation, but that's on the backs of us. The, you know, I think the that's good thing they always is, expect. Always expect <laughs> in this in this mini call it, mini cycle that we've experienced, you know, op- the, the service companies have really held pricing. So yeah. we're not, you know, it's not a continual knife fight to, right. to fight to the bottom. So everyone has kind of gained discipline and not dropping prices and trying to not just to gain market share, but really maintain the returns. 
Right, that's what been one of the most impressive things to me. Recently, I was at a conference, and and the analysis from a banker guy was, hey, you know, this is a mature industry, right? So, you know, that the fact that we've seen oil get up to you know mid 80s in that area, and nobody's chasing it, right? That is unusual, right? right? right. And that's discipline. Yeah, that's a sign of a mature you know, industry that's just like, hey, we're just gonna do our business, we're gonna truck along at a nice gradual increase. Correct. And so it's it's good to see that and that everybody gets to eat, right? right. That, you know, I mean right. that's that's the key thing. It's really. the industrialization of the oil field, right? Right. So exactly. it's you know slow and steady is not bad. How long have you been doing this? Gosh, oh probably close to thirty years. Really? So it, I'm gonna actually celebrate ten years at the oil states here in December, which is hard to believe. So this has been wow. your career the whole time? Uh yeah, pretty much. I've been in public accounting. Actually yeah. worked for an operator right out of school and then worked, was in public accounting for several years and kind of been in the oil field ever since okay. after that. Yeah, that's awesome. So, hey, what do you think of the barbecue? You've been in this barbecue before. We have. This yeah. is our this is our third year to participate. We started in 2021, and I joke about how we've expanded and gotten a lot better. The first year was a small setup, and that last year was bigger. This year is much better. I have to say, with over, almost 5,000 people registered for right. this, we get more mileage out of this barbecue with the people, with our customers coming through, investors coming through, the analysts coming through. So this is, for us, this is a great way to, to use our marketing budget. Oh, this That's is exciting to hear that. This is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is. I mean, we get so much mileage out of it. People are excited to come to this where you have to turn people away on uh, uh, you know, giving out invites. Yeah. There's so much interest in that we've gen- that's been genned up over the last couple of years. Well, look, I mean, the reality is, is that, you know, last night was the VIP night, and we almost had as many people here as we did in the total attendance uh, of years past. Right. And, but the, the footprint's so much bigger, it doesn't feel like that. The footprint expansion is fantastic. We were talking about that at breakfast this morning right. about how good it feels to have a little more space exactly, walking yes. through yeah. and you know, we, how it's set up where you can, it, me, it's hard for me to get out of my tent to go sit visit the other, uh, other you know, companies mm-hmm. and visit with them, but I'm going to spend time doing that tonight. Well, I, I encourage you to do it. It's a big footprint. It Actually, footprint. Jim, I know you just said you got off the plane. Yeah, yeah. Quite seen I it haven't yet. had a chance to walk it, around. It's yeah. going to blow your mind. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's huge. Um, but again, just back to oil states, and I remember your first booth. You guys have always had a good setup, but you know, you talk about your team. I, I want to pump them up for just a minute. I was I was one of the first people to show up, you know, on site a couple of days ago, and I came into the hotel and I saw people kind of setting up. I was like, oh, is that lunch? I didn't really know what it was. It was your team a couple of days ahead of time, getting awesome. all the little details set up for your booth, and we actually were going to broadcast from our mobile studio, which is across the way from you, and. Um, you know, I told Jim, I was like, hey, let's go to the Old States booth. I mean, we appreciate that. I mean, look at this thing. Thank this you. place is beautiful. I, we got they have done a great job. and stuff. I mean, uh, it's incredible, right? You know what, Jim, you, my wife was very appreciative of the chandeliers. She, yeah, I, yeah. I, I sent te- video of it yesterday <laughs> and pictures to my wife. She said, how great is that? You have chandeliers. It looks great. We're going to have video of this, so uh, we'll check. You guys will have to check this out. But honestly, this is a great booth. No, it is you great guys have booth. done an awesome job on it. But it goes back to the commitment of, you know, the industry people like yourself right. and Old States that, right. you know, this has been a tough industry the last 10 years. It has. You know, I remember, I will never forget 2014. I sell, I, you know, I technically still sell BOPs if anybody wants to buy me. <laughs> and I remember in 14, somebody said, it'll be seven years since you, if you ever sell another uh, subsea BOP. And raw material, right? Right. And I said, that can't be true. That just can't be true. And it was true. Yes. They, <laughs> they just didn't buy right. the big doubles right. and triples anymore. Right. And right. I, I thought, we'll be out of business. There's no way that's possible. Well, it's interesting you say that because I had an uh, analyst come in the office a couple of days ago and asked about kind of our, our you know, a drilling uh, back 
composition of our backlog in offshore manufactured products, which is not very much today, because again, there hadn't been much way of new build drilling rigs. So I went back to 2014, and it was 15, 20% of your backlog. Yeah, exactly. Isn't so that that's to your point on the, on the drilling side, how much that's going to change over time. Well, and I go back to complimenting the oil states brand. I mean, you guys were investing in a lot of that stuff in Oklahoma back in that time. Right. I mean, you had a lot of wellhead. I mean, you still do a lot of this, but yeah, right. you were, you guys are. I don't want to say quick to follow. That's not the right word. Just strategic in how you follow what the market needs and adapt. Because mm. I always view oil states as this massive company. And you are. You're a very big company. But it seems like you can move quickly to what need what the market needs. Well, th- I think thank you for that. And, I, and I, we totally agree. Because there's Cindy <laughs> as, a, as our CEO right. who's been with the organization since it went, before it went public, right? Scott Moses, who is our chief operating officer, has been with oil states for 25, 26 years. So I'm the new guy. Right. At but 10 years. At 10 years. Right. Right. But Ten years long and across kind of all uh, disciplines within the company, but there's three executives. So Cindy, myself, and Scott. So we can make decisions. We're very nimble. There's not a lot of bureaucracy involved. So that you know, three people that are making decisions move pretty quickly. Is that a strategic? I, I mean, maybe I'm asking a simple question, but is that a strategic? You know, game plan within the the top management to be like, look, well, we have to be able to move quickly in these markets. No, I think it is. Yeah, yeah it is. But I mean, you also have to be. Uh, uh, Thoughtful in sure. decision making and where you're going to deploy cap or allocate right. capital for new projects, new technology, et cetera. And I think with going back to the, the, when I started the conversation, those new the awards that we got in the last two years are you know are certainly you know proof positive that we're doing the right things in terms of bringing to the market what the market needs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Lloyd, thanks so much for taking time Jim, out thank and you. and talking with Josh and I Josh, today. Thank we you. appreciate I could, it. Listen, and uh, I could talk for three more hours. <laughs> <laughs> I love this stuff. I love. We all do. <laughs> Yeah, and congratulations on uh, being a finalist. We'll see you at that uh, awards dinner in a couple weeks. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Lloyd. All right. Take care. Thank you. Now we're here with Edward Eichstetter from EKU Power Drives. Yeah. So uh, welcome to the show, man. It's been a while, right, Edward? Yeah, it's been a while. I think at least two years. Yeah, Yeah, right? I mean, I think last time we spoke, wasn't that at your event at uh, the Frack Show like two years ago? Yes, at the HFTC. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that event, yeah. Exactly. Well, it's good to have you back on the show, for sure. And um, tell us, uh, catch us up, man. What's been going on with EKU? And uh, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, EKU has been growing a lot. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we, we are fulfilling some of our dreams, too, yeah, in a way, yeah, that's, which is, is good, yeah. But then your dreams get bigger. <laughs> so the, uh, there is no, no, no finite ending there's a so that's good we are always working on things and and mainly focus on automation yeah obviously uh, i mean uh, we were very we're very well known for our idle management shut right. start stop system which uh, is now quite standard in the industry we we have over 500 units uh, with really? six diff- 500 units wow six di- six different customers so so it's 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 it's, it's doing its job right so it's a, it's a very very good and very stable product but uh, since since we talked there, we designed an electric frack. Then we we designed also our uh, own controls, and we are working in the direction of automation of full frack automation. Yeah. 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 And uh, wait, wait. So how did you branch into that yeah. from doing what you're doing with the idle management and stuff, where they're just like, hey, man, you're smart. Design an electric frack thing for us. Yeah. Well. I mean, it was a natural progression, I would say, because um, the the island management itself is an automation system. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, uh, we were looking that the engine is uh, is um, conditioned in the right 
OEM specifications yeah, and and uh, we we are we all have an interface with the controls all the time yeah and and it was an automatic progression and when we started to design this um, efrac pump yeah uh, automatically more things came into place oh now we need to solve uh, power generation we need to solve switch gears we need to solve controls yeah and all of that needs to be interconnected yeah uh, right and that that just became a, a bigger a bigger platform to work on yeah and, and right. i mean and could you grow in, into a hundred plus 120 plus employees right now 120 plus really yeah wow just fully dedicated most of them on automation yeah and 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 the the goal in the future is really about uh obviously reduce uh in a way reduce personal but it's not in the way that you, you want to get they're gonna have enough work to do right, yeah? yeah 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 but but also it's increasing efficiency and and that you know you don't have the people sleeping or I mean it, it can it can get boring in a, in a way if, if you're doing that and so the efficiency overall is going to increase if you if you automate things yeah and and then after that you're going to be able to automate multiple fleets from a remote control center and, and things like that that's that's what we are working on and and uh, well so tell me tell me this is a question I'm, I'm glad you're here because I wanted to have you on a podcast earlier now it's yeah. all clicking right yeah oh, Jim was trying to uh, uh, organize it so we could talk about your your EFRAC design in more detail but what sets your uh, uh, EFRAC design apart from everything else I mean there's a lot of different designs out there but you guys developed that like in the middle of the patent wars right yeah so uh, I mean you guys did, designed your own because you didn't want to worry about any of that patent stuff or what? No, I mean, uh, the, 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 the reason for for designing, uh, look at this, we have lots of music. Yeah, we got a nice band coming. <laughs> Hopefully they'll come this way. <laughs> with, a, with, a, with a big pick in there, yeah? Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, the, the EFRAC design, obviously it was a, a customer asking for it and and, and uh, it was a great opportunity for us to do it, yeah? And, and uh, when we did the design, we knew from the beginning that, at the end, the it is simple. Yeah? I mean, you put a motor into a pump. It's not, it's not, not, not rocket science in there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The the difficulty part, the difficult part about that is, is connecting everything else. Yeah. Because the frac service companies are used to have caterpillars, have MPUs, Cummins, right, which yeah. is OEMs that provide them provides them a. a ready solution off the shelf that right. you don't need to do anything and it's very well proven over years and years yeah and then in the world of EFRAC uh, the providers of VFDs are not done for the environment of frac yeah? right yeah so th there's a lot of development into putting VFDs into into an environment where they work in cold weather and hot weather in Texas and North Canada and all this kind of thing so that that was the challenge but but immediately we we found out that uh, also the electrification enables you to be a lot more react or you can react a lot faster right to whatever is happening into the well and and opens the world of automation and 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 uh, this enables us to create a cruise control for example like in a car you now now you can run you, you want to start your track you put a rate it goes in a predefined ramp up yeah whatever yeah, yeah. you want and it can you know do whatever and and then it gets gets there when it gets there 
uh, it's running the stable rate what you want to have with a pressure control system and then if you lose pumps because pumps they still get loose right, yeah, yeah, that, right. that has not changed it uh, automatically picks another one and and has some AI reading what happened and what is the failure modes and and then uh, ramp down and yeah so we're very close to, to do a full automation into it yeah so I'm I'm not really technical but I do know a little bit about uh, the the design of, of EFRAC so did you guys go with uh, like one of those small turbines and direct drive or turbine for electricity for running everything what do you um, well, well, in, in, in our case, it was an electric frac. I mean, the direct drive for me is not an e-frac. It's a, it's, it, that's a... Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a direct drive, yeah. But but uh, at the end, the game is, I would call it this, the natural gas frac. Yeah? Right, everyone, yeah. Okay. Everyone wants to use natural gas. And, and, and then I think the upcoming game and what is going to happen in the future is going to be the efficiency game, yeah. Uh, right now, I mean, you have your electric pumps uh, or you have your direct drives and and you can run them at a certain efficiency but depending on what you choose on your power generation side uh, you, your efficiency can go up and and then your fuel consumption is going to go low your natural gas fuel consumption is going to go low your, your utilization of your asset is going to be more efficient right. so your capex investment is going to be more efficient and uh, yeah and, and and right now obviously there is a big demand for right. power and, and and not a big supply, so yeah, it's, it's difficult to get power generation. Yeah, but but uh, uh, at some point uh, that that's gonna be the game, and we want to be ahead on it. Yeah. Yeah. So are you guys? Wait, let's wait for this to stop. Oh, good, they stopped that. <laughs> yeah. But hey, what? Um, so are you guys partnered with somebody on the power gen side, or are you agnostic for that? I mean, how does that work? Um, well. It, I mean, EKU. Uh, obviously, we we're we the automation provider, yeah, right. uh, and and we consult with our customers, yeah, for oh, okay, so customer for, for, for power, yeah. We EKU itself, we provide power in a small scale for electrical backside, yeah. yeah? Um, that's two megawatts in that yeah. in that realm, yeah. Uh, but for EFRAC, we we don't provide power, um, but but we provide monitoring systems for the power companies, yeah. And, and we're agnostic to it. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, the frac service companies choose what they want to use. Yeah? Right, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, tell me this, because you have your ear very close to the ground in in uh, the e-frac world. So how is that market going? Like, just because I've, I've been noticing, like, okay, maybe since December of last year, right, you got rig count dropping, you got the frac, you know, number of fleets working, that's been coming down, but oil production is still, as high as it's ever been higher, you know, with with uh, less equipment in the field. And um, so it, I'm, I'm curious, is that same effect with with uh, fleets being idle? Is that just because people just aren't like those old tier one, tier two stuff? They're just taking that out and, and replacing it with EFRAC or, or uh, how's that working for EFRAC? I, I do believe that's going to be the, the trend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that I mean, there are still tier twos, tier ones out there and, and fleets out there. Yeah. Uh, and at some point they're gonna stop existing, and and obviously this this reminds me when tier four was coming in, and, and I had customers of ours. They say, well, I will never put a tier four engine out there, and uh, and uh, look at now, now, yeah, now yeah, they're out there. Yeah. And, and the same with EFRAC. I think, uh, and, and over time, I mean, uh, if you if you are a Profrac, if you are a Halliburton, if you are a next tier, you, you're gonna need to take that decision, and uh, and. 
and uh, probably would make sense to do it uh, electric because the efficiency is very high. Uh, and, and I think there's going to be an interesting competition between electric and direct driven. Right, yeah. Um, uh, and at some point, uh, I mean, again, when, when the game of efficiency starts to play a, a role, which right now is not, not as important as it will be in the future, yeah. um, that, that's going to be, or that's going to be the time where we're going to see a winner. Yeah? Right. Well, you know, talking about direct drive, who else is doing that out there aside from Catalyst? Catalyst is the only one without with direct drive. Yeah, right? no, Catalyst, but no, but the real uh, uh, pioneers of those uh, were BJ's Energy Solutions. Yeah. Right. Yeah, with their Titan. With the right, with yeah. the Titan units, yeah, and 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 they're doing it very well. Yeah, they 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 have a fantastic um, partnership also with with Vericor and and, and Catalyst right, also yeah. use Vericor, but the the Vericor turbine has. Some disadvantages and advantage, like everything. Yeah, they, it's a dual fuel system. Um, but one of the things that are important where we started is that they actually can shut down those turbines in between stages, and and that's quite important. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, we have 500 units on idle management on conventional diesel units, and and they're still idle 50% of the time, in average. Yeah. And. And that doesn't change if you have a direct drive turbine, yeah? Right. But the difference is, let's, let's say this way, when, when you idle a turbine... Yeah, uh, you lose the efficiencies, right? By yeah, yeah, and, 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 and your fuel consumption during idle is not like 5 to 10% of your total load, full load. It's going to be like 30, 40, sometimes 50%, yeah? Wow, wow. So, so your efficiency goes down overall right. because during idle you are... You're still you're consuming still a lot, cons right? Consuming a lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the case of BJ's, they, 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 have, they have a good solution for shutting down the turbines in between stages and that yeah, gives them a, a, an advantage on efficiency. Yeah? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to find out more about that technology. That's pretty yeah. cool. So you, you were out here last year for the barbecues. Is this your second one or have you been multiple times? I've been uh, all of them. Every single one? Every single one. <laughs> wow. So, so tell us what you think. I mean, you've seen it grow up. I've only been, to, I think this is only my second one. Well, so. This, this this is the fancy one I would call it yeah the, the fancy one <laughs> nice it's a absolutely it's a, it's a how it's incredible how big it has grown yeah I mean the first time it was really a little, little group the second time I was I would, would say more trashy <laughs> <laughs> the third one it was big but but uh, I mean I think the, the it was getting a little bit out of control and then this is bigger but but very well organized and I think uh, uh, John and Daniel and their partners are just doing an excellent job. Like, oh, like, absolutely. Like yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I love the, the layout this year. The alleys are bigger, the tents are bigger. Everything's like yeah. bigger and kind of more spacious so you feel like you can move around, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So, no, that's awesome. Well, Edward, thank you so much for taking some time uh, out of your busy day because it's about to get super busy, right? Yep. But uh, to come by and talk with us. We appreciate you being on the yeah. show. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. All right, everybody. Uh, we're here now this afternoon. Uh, what what time is it, man? It's three thirty already. Three thirty-five, man, on the flying. second day of the uh, Daniel Energy Partners uh, barbecue cook-off, and um, man, it's really starting to get crazy here. There's a lot of people rolling in, but we got Noah Buck from NOV with us. Noah, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, no, it's fantastic to see you here. So, hey, tell the folks what is it exactly you do at NOV. So I'm part of the completion and production solutions segment of NOV. Uh, within that intervention and stimulation equipment, 
um, and mostly specialized in uh, coil tubing, well intervention related technologies and snubbing. So um, those product lines are Hydra Rig, been around for 50 years, uh, celebrated uh, this spring, um, quality tubing. Um, and Texas Oil Tools, and then we're also connected with uh, Coil Tubing Engineering Services, better known as CTES. Right. You know, it's funny because I'm not a technical guy, right? You'll know when you're talking to me, you'll be like, oh, Jim doesn't know anything. But it was funny because one time I was, I was talking with somebody, I think this might have been a pre-podcast, I don't think we're actually recording it, and um, it was the first time it dawned on me, you know, to coil tubing, you know, for anybody who doesn't know what's going on, you think it's just like one big giant tube you just shove down the hole, and then, but she was involved in engineering of coil tubing, right? And she's talking, no, sure man, thing. it's got to be like, you know, thinner and then thicker and all this stuff. I was like, what? That's crazy, right? A lot, a lot of tech that goes into that. It's uh, the, the, the proliferation of extended reach laterals and how drilling technology has really pushed the absolute limit of how far you can go has uh, forced coil tubing in a very short timeline to really radically evolve from being uh, one-piece trailers that were eight and a half feet wide, maybe 50 feet long. Um, you know, when I started my career 15 years ago only, and everything was very analog, carbon copy paper, to now uh, <laughs> electric over hydraulic controls, you know, uh, up to the second real-time remote monitoring combined with engineering models, um, you know, machine data, process data, controls data, all unified together, leveraging edge technology in these units now. Um, just pre-built the infrastructure so we can take advantage of those upgrades and, and capabilities as applications develop and things like that. And, um, you know, and this is, I think, a common theme um, through most of energy services is that, you know, we've been through two pretty severe economic down cycles in the last uh, nine <laughs> yeah, years. Pretty severe, and that's yeah. put a lot of pressure on moving what, where we had, and I was a field engineer, to um, move into the office. And now, you know, going from you know, 20 and 30 field engineers at IPS, uh, 17 districts in the lower 48, to now there's one or two engineering resources at any given coil right. tubing company for the most part. And um, so they've got to be able to reliably uh, connect with that information, see those assets, and, and be able to positively influence the outcomes in these more challenging, longer laterals. Um, and, and goodness knows, um, you know, the technology we've developed here and I'd say arguably perfected in the United States, has been exported to other parts of the world now. Right, exactly. So I know of a well that is 50,000 feet deep measured depth that is being drilled and finished right now uh, in the Eastern Hemisphere. Wow, um, wow. So these kinds of things are uh, incredibly impressive. Um, and then there's the you know feedback loop to us, which goes, oh my gosh, now, how do we take what we've done traditionally and also accommodate that in a very specialized engineering? So I would say that um, being a part of NOV, having been a customer of theirs in the past, um, and also uh, now been here for five years, uh, it's, it's really exciting to work with a lot of people that are very passionate about solving genuinely difficult engineering problems right. and coming up with not just something that can solve a one-off solution, a very special, very difficult, very expensive solution, um, but they can do it economically and have a very durable, reliable product at the end of the day doing it too. That's, I mean, I, I just love that. That's a, the that's a part, you know, and I'm only tangentially involved in the business because I'm in media, but what you're talking about, having super smart people and resources to solve like crazy problems, yeah. right? And, and to make everything better. I mean, whatever it is, you know, squeeze every little ounce of efficiency out of everything we do. Matter of fact, NOV, I think you guys were one of the first guys to have like that whole 
data feedback loop from the from the coil tubing trucks and stuff, right? Didn't you guys set that up on that? What, what's your system called? The Max Completions is the is the app yeah, now, right, basically, yeah, yeah. that allows us to do coil tubing, wireline, frack, um, snubbing, workover in, in one application that's nice, genuinely yeah. flexible enough to handle all of the complexities and multi-weld type of interventions and, and frack operations that you have these days, um, which is by no means an easy thing to do and account for and have someone connected with. Um, you know, what's interesting to me is that the genesis of why there is data in well intervention has more to do with the need to quantify how long a coiled tubing string would last. Right. And so the early models that CTES developed along with Steve Tipton and now Ken Newman um, really had a lot to do with extending the life of a tube that had just been measured in terms of running footage and right. usage over time. Um, and then, interestingly, all of the tubing mills, uh, at least here in the United States, have developed technology that has now doubled the useful life of that tubing. Wow. And wow. now we're back to counting running footage because <laughs> it's just the environment that we're dealing with. You know, this is tough hard steel going against tough hard steel over and over again and you know something's got to give up and that wear and tear over time eventually you know compromises the tubing but that you know is the case in drilling and work over and all of that yeah. that's crazy that's crazy so you you must have your ear to the ground in in that market segment especially when you're talking about coil tubing and things so so what's going on there i mean it's kind of a weird environment we're in you know uh Operators being very cost conscious, you know, trying Absolutely. to keep the capital spend down. So, you know, what does that mean for you? I mean, how's that, how's that affecting you guys? I, I would say it's had a knock-on effect. Um, the, it being that um, there's been a tremendous amount of more pressure put on service companies to perform and to perform well. Um, and uh, it, we're no longer in a world where uh, we can simply build dozens of pieces of equipment at a time and just go and scale into a growing market. Um, you know, technically speaking, we're at a very high level of uh, what you can physically carry over the road. I mean, some right. of these oh, yeah, right. units are 350,000 pounds um, right. over the road. Um, you know, all legal, all within the within the boundaries, but. You know, truthfully, that's that's a heck of a lot of steel to be driving around and, and to be specialized in in rigging up and rigging down very, very quickly. We're talking, you know, two to three hours. What? Incredibly really? impressed with, with uh, the performance. And, and I would say that there's been a distillation of experience and performance. Um, and those that are around today are the cream of the crop in the business. Right. We've got, you know, fewer coil tubing units than we're working eight years ago. Um, you know, in the 135 to 140 range in the, in the contiguous U.S., but they're also doing more projects than they ever have before. Not on, not dissimilarly yeah. to uh, to drilling. Um, they're more dependable in uh, tripping in and out quickly. So really, they've built on their own strengths in that you're not at the wellhead. You can trip very quickly. You can trip very reliably. And and so where do we? The knock-on effect to NOV has been. Um, you know, the challenge to us to how do we find ways to make our customers' businesses more healthy um, so we can justify total cost of ownership being lower and they can come back to us and we can provide elite uh, technical support. Right. So we've got a global technical support team that's uh, supporting in all of those phases, jumps on every major issue, uh, informs, trains, supports. Um, that's a big piece of this. It's, it's very much a, a hand in glove kind of relationship that we've developed with our customers and we're much more connected with what are they doing in the field with the equipment and how are they using it. And to some degree that's because, you know, there have also been people that have come to NOV that have had previous service company experience. Right. Um, but it's also the priority of the culture that our leadership has um, to get 
closer to and understand the priorities and structure of the businesses of our customers so we can serve them better. Right. And when we do that, they come work with us more. Exactly. It's a wonderful feedback loop. Yeah. It's a wonderful feedback loop. We'll do a better job for yeah. you. We'll find out what you need. We'll help you. And then, uh, yeah, they come back. It's, good it's service great, supports man. good service. I, I think that that's a, that's a tried and true kind of methodology. It's, it's not easy to do it. Right. right. You've got to be committed. You've got to be focused. Um, you've got to care. And right. uh, I, I'm very glad to be surrounded by a bunch of people who do all of those things. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of being surrounded by people, one last question before I let you go is uh, you've been in this before, right? The barbecue? I have, second year. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. So, so tell us what you think. I mean, compared to last year, this year, what do you think? Pretty amazing how much bigger this is. I, I think the, the Scharbauer Sports Complex is a wonderful venue. Um, you know, beautiful layout. I can see. You know, at least 100 people in line just getting their registration. There's people under every tent walking all over the place. I, you know, I feel like I can't walk 10 feet without bumping into somebody that I know. Yeah, and right. That's a wonderful feeling. I, I think that's also where Daniel Energy Partners has gotten, you know, as an extension of the in basin observations on Sunday nights mm -hmm. um, and, and how meaningful that is and the best research note that, that I've ever come across, certainly. Um, this is a natural extension of that. Being here, being in basin, being in a place where our customers are working, where they live, where they're a part of uh, this industry is so much more impactful than um, doing it in Houston. So we love coming oh, here, we love being yeah, here, yeah. and we love being around them and seeing and, and being where they're most comfortable. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, Noah, thanks so much for taking some time and being on the show today, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll have to have you back on. Thank you very much, looking forward to it. Now we're here with Jensen, Kerr from GD Energy Products. Jensen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jim. I'm glad to be back. I think this is my fourth or fifth time yeah, on the show. Yeah, I, I, think, I think this is actually, you are the biggest, uh, what do they call that, FOP, friend of the podcast. Oh, because okay. this is your, um, I think this is your fifth appearance. You were actually on one episode that never aired uh, due to some issues. <laughs> but. But you have definitely been the most recurring guest on the World Oil Deep Dive. Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I remember the I remember the first time I met you was Icoda of 2022, right, yeah. and I'm young. I'm I'm not gonna turn down anything. You said you want to come do a podcast? Sure, why not? Yeah, exactly. How do I grow my brand? And by growing my brand, I get to grow the company's brand, right? Yeah. So, and that was hilarious because every time we've kind of followed your career, right? Because you mm -hmm. had just come on back then, Correct. right? Mm -hmm. And so. Every time we get to check back in with Jensen, see how his career is developing. So tell us about that, man. What's what's the progression since so last time? So I'm two years into our well service division. So in GDEP, we have three different divisions of pumps. We have frack pumps, we make drilling pumps, we make well service pumps. And we consider well service pumps more of our smallest horsepower, Right. smaller horsepower. So that can be water jetting, that can be horizontal directional drilling, that could be oil for production pumps. And so I get an opportunity to go out. On our frack and drilling side, we have three or four models of pumps, but I get a widespread. I get 60 models of pumps I get to go sell to. Wow, okay. So, I mean, my customer base is huge. Right. And so for me, the first year was, I think I took almost 50 flights in the calendar year just kind of getting out and going to Grand Prairie, going right. to Edmonton, Calgary, and Western Canada, going up to Vernal, Utah, Grand Junction, Colorado, Bakersfield, California, Odessa a couple times, and going to our manufacturing plants and kind of seeing what my territory is, who I can call on, who are good customers, and now that I kind of have my zone built, 
I kind of know, okay, hey, well, here's the ponds to fish in in North Dakota. Here's right. where I need to go see in Grand Junction, Colorado, or wherever I'm traveling to that day. So first year was all about building that relationship and building my customer base. And the second year was, okay, well, how can I take that customer base and how can they get them to buy from me now that I'm at GD? That's so, awesome, yeah. Yes, we're rocking it. Our group ourselves, we're on pace right now to finish 30% higher than we did last year. Holy smokes, man. So we are we are rocking and rolling. That's all on you, man. You <laughs> sold all of that, right? And, what, and what's <laughs> even crazier is, is, Jim, we had two people leave us last year. They went on to a different career path. So our sales team went from six to four. And we're doing and we're on pace through 30% better. Well, like, and so like, it just shows, man, we got a good product and we have good people and everything's coming together. Yeah, yeah, and having people who are really interested in helping customers and and really know what how they can help customers mm -hmm. and want to build those relationships, that's the key. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter if you have 15 people if half of those people are, you know, they're just punching the clock and just doing the minimum. So, mm -hmm. uh, congratulations, man, because you're really you're really growing into that role. So that's exciting. Yeah. And, I, and for me, being an extrovert, right, this, I can do this all day long, man. Yeah, me I, too. I get energy, get energy from being get people. energy from it, right? I, I get energy, and that's where I thrive. And I might not be technical, right, but what, I, what I'm really good at and what I think what attracts me to sales is I'm good at building that relationship and building my network. And then, okay, if they call me for Hey Jensen, why is our pump doing X, Y, or Z? Well, I might not know, but because my network is so big, I can get them an answer on the spot because I know people who know, right? Right. And exactly. so that's why I think my biggest ass is I'm not probably the best closer. I'm probably not the best or the most knowledgeable on what all we do or what you know, the internals are. But hey, I know people who know, and I can get you an answer. Right. That's the key. So, that's the key. So tell us. I mean, obviously, even though you're in well service, you got an idea of what's going on in the GD world. What's the what's the latest and greatest from GD? What's been going well, on overall there? There's two things I want to talk about today. All right. So we are uh, introducing a new valve and seat line. It's our fourth generation. Nice. So about two years ago, we introduced our Gen 3 valve and seats. And just for some background on this, so everybody who knows GD Energy Products, we are a pump manufacturer. Our pumps go on the back of frack trailers or on drilling rigs or any kind of uh, well service rigs that pump fluid downhole. So we like to think that we're the heart of oil and gas because you got to use our pumps to get fluid downhole. Right. And so um, valves and seats, for those of you who don't know or are listening, is a consumable in the fluid end of a pump. So what happens is when the valves on the suction side close, it lets low pressure water in. And when the valves on the discharge side open, it lets high pressure water out. Right. And it's the most used consumable on a well site uh, to date. So most frack fleets right now are going through on a monthly basis 600 to 800 valves and seats. Wow. And so any gains that we can make on consistency and longevity for our customers, it reduces downtime and also delivers a good product to keep customers up and running. So going back to what I was saying a little earlier, two years ago we released our Gen 3 valve and seat, which, right. was, which was awesome. It did really good. What we found out is our customers caught up to us really fast and actually started outperforming us on the valve and seat. Oh wow. So we had to go back internally and said, what can we do to be better? And so we came up with a new design on a valve and seat, and it's more on the geometry side. We were able to look at the impact surfaces on, on, on how our valves and seats are shutting, because it's, it's, it's high pressure and those things oh, slam absolutely. hard, right? Yeah, right? And so we've been able to do some testing with some of our awesome partners, and we've had good success. We've found that uh, some tests with our partners have reduced the amount of valves and seats they're buying by 20%. 
over certain spans, we found that we can increase with our new uh, Redline Plus valve and seats, 37% increase in strokes on a wow. pump between wow. changes, and then 20% longevity of life. That's incredible because and that so, translates into big money, man. It translates into big money, and if you do the math, you know it's you can save your customers, you know, a quarter million, half a million dollars in a twelve-month wow. span. Wow. So, that's amazing. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. So, what's the other one? What's your other? So, thing? so something else that we're bringing out is is is, is called Service Three Hundred and Sixty. So, what we what we uh, offer as a pump company is we have our own service text line. So when anything breaks down or goes wrong, we can send service techs who are knowledgeable on our product, can help the customer repair it, get it back up and running. So one thing that we used to do in the past is when we send a customer out for a power end inspection, let's say on one of our Frac twenty five hundred horsepower pumps, they open the back plate, they have paper, they take notes, and then they email it, take pictures, and then send it off on their way. What? can take 30 minutes to an hour to fill all those forms out, but then you know, their hands are greasy, right, they're about yeah. handwriting, and sometimes if you're coming back from a job site late at night, you might wait till the morning to send that stuff. But, right. and, and, and so it, it just causes delays and there's a big paper trail. So what we've done is we've created an app that we can give to our customers. Our techs can do everything on their phone. They can take pictures, it can timestamp stuff. Nice, okay. And then, it, and then it turns it into a fillable form when they hit submit, it creates all the document or it, all the questions that they've had to answer about the pump health. It can take that, put it in a fillable form, automatically send that information, email to who it needs to go to right then and there. Wow! Wow! And so that so, cuts down on a lot of back and forth. Cuts down a lot, and and it might take more time to fill out the form itself. But what it's doing is it's taking all that data, and in that data, it creates six separate forms nice and neat you can send it to your customers and tell them exactly what's going on with their pump what we can do to help service it put them on a repair program and it's just one thing we're trying to do to increase and be better nice mm -hmm. nice well that is fantastic man that's a lot of stuff so you're out there i mean you have your own territory you're talking to people how's that how's the market these days what, what are you guys I and mean, this has been a kind of interesting year i think mm -hmm. because you've been seeing the you know, the rig count going down, the number of fleets going down, at least in the conventional world, and uh, yet production is up, you know? I mean, we're producing more oil than we ever have. So it's, um, it's, a, it's a strange time out there. What, what do you think? So I can, I really can speak to the well service side, not really yeah, the yeah, well drilling. Service, yeah. So for well service, um, we're still seeing numbers go. People are still buying our product. We're still seeing it getting used. Um, 30% increase, that's got to be saying something, right? It yeah. Is, yes, it's, it's, it's very good. But So with my customers, they're doing a lot of tow prep, pump down, completion work, cementing, coil tubing. Yeah. We're seeing on the frack side that they're able to refract wells. It's keeping our customers busy. Um, I know that frack's in a softening right now. Right. Uh, but drilling and then well service is able to be, ha, has been able to keep us pretty stable as yeah. a company well, it, whole. This is a weird thing because a lot of people I've, I, w I was talking to earlier in the year and I, I still haven't seen like a big splash articles and things about it, but it seems like in this environment where people are really cost conscious and stuff, I mean, the easiest barrels to get are in work over, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, those are the easiest barrels because if you can go back into a well and rework it, you know, with coil tubing, do whatever, refrack, all of that stuff, you can produce more at a very low cost as opposed to going out and drilling a new well and fracking a new well, well right? Well, see, now you're teaching me. Because <laughs> I'm still, I mean, there's so many applications that I'm still kind of learning about that, oh, 
You're more knowledgeable than me probably on that <laughs> nah, stuff. Nah, come on, stop, stop. Yeah. No, I, I, I just know from talking to smart people like you, man. Oh That's all. my gosh. Come on, come on. Yeah. So, uh, hey, one last thing before I let you go. You've been to this barbecue before, right? I have. I was last year. It was my yeah, first yeah. year. Uh, last year was your first last year? Last year first time coming. So, so what do you think now? So you only got two-year comparison. You got last year, this year. What do you think? Well, from uh, what John Daniel says, this is a success. I know that we have now two parking lots. So we have the Delaware right. side and the Midland side. I think last year we just used this parking lot maybe. For those of you who can't see me, I'm pointing to the Midland <laughs> side. Um, but, man, it's a good turnout. It's crazy. It's so like, I look, think we have five thousand people. Yeah, right. I think, I think 5, people. And last year was like thirty-five. Yeah, thirty-five. Yeah, and, and right now, from where we're sitting, we're kind of sitting on this very cool platform out back mm -hmm. of the mobile recording studio, and we have a view of the registration tent. And there is a line of, I don't know, 25, 30 people maybe standing in line waiting to get into the registration tent. So, no, very successful, you know. And I mean, you guys have a cook team, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I need you to come try our pork candy. Pork candy? That's what do you got? Favorite. What is it? What is it? It's, it's candied pork belly. Oh, nice. I'm oh, going to yeah. come by and try that for sure. Yeah. But, Jensen, thanks so much for being on the show. Number five, we're going to count as five, even though that one didn't air. We're going to count as five, and we're going to keep counting, man. We're going to follow it. you all the way through. I love it. I <laughs> love it. Take, Take care, care Jim. All right. Um, so now we're here with uh, Jason Rowe from Eco Vapor. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate yeah. you having me. Yeah, I'm. Uh, uh, I'm excited to be out here. It's. Uh, you know, this is day two. I wasn't here. You were here last night. I see you got VIP yeah. on your badge, right? I, I was here last night, and uh, I was. I was smart that I wasn't here too late, but late enough and had a good time. Yeah, nice, nice. So tell us something about Eco Vapor, man. That's kind of a, a, a new thing, right? You're part of uh, D Now, is, is that That's there? right, that's right. So you, we were recently acquired uh, by, by D Now. And, um, you know, so, so Eco Vapor, what, you know, what we have is we have proprietary gas upgrading technology. And what we use this for is really around helping operators to profitably reduce their emissions profile. Nice, so and, good ESG play, yeah? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, so, and you know, we like, the thing I think we're most proud about there though is that it's really, it's both, right? We help with environmental performance, but we also help with financial performance. And, and really what we mean by that is that by the use of these gas upgrading technologies, we help customers to uh, eliminate the need to flare some of these gases that may become, you know, the natural gas that's separating off of the oil tanks. So if they're capturing and processing these uh, these vapor streams, then they can monetize these vapor streams. So really it's all about monetizing that gas. Yeah, and, and that's interesting because I was just talking with somebody the other day and we were talking about that is, uh, you know, avoiding flaring, finding ways to avoid flaring, you know, big, big emphasis around that. But when you talk about reprocessing them, that happens like on site, right? That's what you have, right? You have a, a system. And, and when you say reprocess, what kind of, how does that work? Absolutely. So, so yeah, so, uh, you know, from these storage tanks, typically people are deploying a VRU, which is a compressor right. that is, you know, taking the, uh, uh, the separated gas off of these storage tanks or from a VRT or whatever the, the source of the gas might be on site. Well, what we do is we set up immediately downstream of that and we have a couple different technologies. We have one that's for processing oxygen, so eliminating the oxygen out of that natural gas stream uh, and another technology that's around H2S removal and removing the H2S out of that gas stream. Oh, nice. Okay. And so, you, you know, when you're, when you're talking about these storage tanks, 
you have this natural in-breathing and out-breathing and air gets into these into these tanks or gets into the, the suction side of the VRU can bring it in as well, which means your midstream operators are going to reject that gas. Right, they're exactly. Gonna, they're exactly. going to shut that gas in and which may even shut your oil production in. And so typically, the you know, historically, the, the common cure for that was flaring the gas. Right, And exactly. so that's exactly why we're here. We want to eliminate that waste and we want to make sure that operators um, have the ability to sell that gas and process that gas instead of flaring that gas. So you're essentially turning an emission into it a profitably sold gas stream. And so that's that's really what we're about is you know making sure that that gas is on spec and ready for the midstream. Right, and with the increased regulations and, and whatnot, I mean, business must be good, right? I mean, people are looking for ways to get this done, right? They are, they are. I mean, so yeah, so so EcoVapor, fortunately, we've, you know, we've had a good few years here and we've seen some rapid growth. I mean, nice. you know, we're we're set to more than double again this year. Um, and, and you know, it's, it's really been a nice growth. And so, and so it, oil and gas, of course, has been one of those big growth engines for us. And with the attention and with the ability to, you know, monetize these gas streams, it's helped. But another market that's really come out to us, which is also big on gas upgrading, is the uh, renewable natural gas in the biogas space. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah so, that, right? so that's been a new market for us as well that we've seen a lot of growth in. And um, fortunate for us, uh, they have similar problems. At the end of the day, they need to be able to get gas on spec to ensure that this gas can be used, whether it be for transportation, electricity, whatever it might be. But you have the same problem. If it's off spec, you can't. it's rejected right, and yeah. ultimately may end up in a combustor or a flare. And so for us, it's been ideal in the fact that we've been able to kind of plug and play into that market um, and, and, and right on the core theme of EcoVapor, which is eliminating waste, um, it's been it's it's been a great opportunity for us. So we're silly, so we're seeing growth across multiple markets, which has been really exciting for us. Yeah, that is that's great. I mean, that's great to have you know something else aside from straight oil and gas because <laughs> we all know how that goes, right? Yeah. But um, so for you guys, then the ups and downs of the uh, of the market, I guess that's got to play some because people have money to invest. They don't have money to invest, but in reality. Everybody's got these tanks, right? Everybody needs this technology or some similar technology. So, I mean, no matter what's going on with the price, you guys should be good to go for years, right? Yeah, we, we hope so. Um, <laughs> as, as you know, there's always ups and downs in our business. There's always ups and downs in competition and new ways of doing things. Um, we believe that we have something that's strategically advantaged for what operators are trying to do. But you know, we're not immune to market cycles just like, in, just like everybody else. Um, I mean, we do believe we have a lot of state power with what we do, but you can imagine if, you, you know, operators all have different philosophies. Right, and so yeah. we, we work with some operators that want to deploy us purely because like, look, we will not flare. We want to turn off that flare. We'll do whatever we can to turn off that flare to eliminate the emissions. Then there's others where it's purely an economic play, you know? So if, hey, we, we want to make sure that we're making use of this gas and we're, that we're selling this gas as long as it economically makes sense. And so, you know, when, when gas was at seven or whatever it was in late 22, and you know, you saw the quick rapid decline that happened there that, you know, so there will be some operators that will, fall off, um, you know, right. and, and, and make it a, make economic decisions, even though we would we would absolutely defend that it's still very economic to, to sell this gas instead of flare this gas. But um, but yeah, overall, we felt like we've really been positioned well. We feel like, you know, we, we do our best to make sure our customers are satisfied and we work hard in the field to service those customers. Um, but overall, it's, it's really been a nice growth story for us and we hope to uh, continue that growth pattern for time to come. And then, of course, now, under the guide of you know distribution now D now um, you know who acquired us in December um, you know we feel like 
man, sky's the limit. You know, we, right. we're, we're looking at different avenues, different markets uh, that we may not have pursued previously, even looking at additional products that we want to bring to market. So, um, you know, so really the partnership with Distribution Now is just going to be one more, uh, one more opportunity for us to, to further grow the business. Yeah, 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 that should be huge. Now, were you here, uh, were you out at this barbecue before in the past? Have you been uh, Absolutely. I, I think this is one of the best events out there. Um, <laughs> You know, we we uh, so we entered it. We cooked last year. Nice. We're cooking again this year, and I'd been here, you know, b before that as well. But uh, um, you know, yeah, we're proud to be out here. You know, we think that we think Daniel's Energy Partners puts on great events, and so we we generally like to participate. And of course, the barbecue. I mean, there's oh, not there, there's not there's not many more events in our industry that are more fun than this one. Yeah, that's true. It's true. You know, we were just talking about that, and uh, Daniel Energy Partners. I mean. This barbecue cook-off and thrive. I mean, those two events are like yep. cornerstones for the upstream now, and that's that's brand new. That's uh, you know what, three, four years old, maybe both of those. So I mean, that's yeah. That's and we've impressive. done thrive the last couple of years as well, right. and they, over there at Minute Maid. So um, you know, so really, have gotten a lot of benefit and really enjoyed these events. Uh, they're a lot of fun. So kudos to them for, you know, there, there's an art to having a good conference that really has a lot of substance and in, in, in your networking and, and technical content and balancing that with the abilities to go out there and have a good time with your customer. <laughs> exactly, so I think exactly. They, I think they mine that line very, very well and have been very effective because of it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Jason, thanks for coming on the show today. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Jim. Appreciate your time. Thanks for tuning in to our show. Please check out the show notes for the links we discussed in the podcast. We value your opinions. So if you have any questions or comments, kindly email them to us at deepdive at worldoil.com. Additionally, we'd appreciate it if you could rate us on your preferred podcast listening app. Lastly, don't forget to visit worldoil.com for the latest technical articles and news about the oil and gas industry.